Hello, dear listeners. It's been a while since you heard from me. The days have gotten colder and darker. It's actually freezing here in Paris, and the Christmas craze is in full swing. Exciting things are coming up early next year in 2020. I've been organizing a TechNet football workshop that takes place on the weekends and hopefully makes planning easier for you. What we'll be covering is how to build and shape three different footwear styles, where we're gonna be incorporating the most common structures and mesh fabrics. The goal is really to immerse yourself into the process to equip you with the right jargon and visualize the techniques for you. You can find more detailed info on lebureau.com in the workshop section. So head on over and I'd love to see you in January. For today's episode and portrait, I had the pleasure to interview Colombian photographer and art director Daniel Forero. He lives in Paris and works for international clients. I picked his brain about finding his niche and doing what he loves the most. Thank God that I met Daniel in his studio before seeing his work. Otherwise, I would have fangirled out way too much. And we know how that goes. Born in Bogota and growing up wanting to be a football player, Daniel moved to Paris after having worked in New York, Stockholm and Argentina for advertising and branding agencies. Now, right behind La Villette, he works in a studio alongside other creatives and artists in a shared warehouse. His aesthetic is one of a kind. Daniel makes it a strong point to dedicate time to his own personal project and let his signature style speak for itself. Without further ado, Please enjoy episode number four of That's My Niche. And now, over to Daniel. I'll look over to us normally. In English, Daniel. Oh, so we started already. Yeah? Okay, cool. Daniel, what's yeah. your niche? My niche? Mm, it's quite... I, don't, I wouldn't say I have one specific niche because it's such a broad, great, like, this kind of um, profession or, like, it's like, especially what I do is very, like, broad, very wide, so I can... I've worked for, like, several different kinds of clients, so it kind of... It depends on on the approach, but it doesn't really have to be for a specific niche whatsoever. I can I've worked for like several different kinds of brands and I guess that's a challenge and that's what the, the, the fun part of what I do because my style is kind of, <clears throat> if you can um, see it as something kind of uh, like funny or it has always like an edge on, on the images. So even if it's a very like, Oh, classic or boring brand. I mean, I don't usually take those, but the, the challenge is like, regardless of the client or regardless of the commission, I can try. I always try to put my like myself in the in the job, so that way I can make it my style, regardless of the client. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I wouldn't 
really like put my work into like one specific niche. So walk me through your upbringing. My upbringing? Yeah, your childhood, your teenage years. What were you like and who did you hang out with? It was the best. It was in, all of this was in Colombia, in Bogota. And I wouldn't change one of those days. That was great. Uh, I was from uh, South Bogota. It's like a middle class neighborhood. I was very into football. <laughs> that was actually the only one thing I wanted to do. Until I got injured and then I was like, oh, damn, I have to study something. Because I wasn't a big fan of studying. I never liked it that much. I was pretty horrible student, pretty bad. I got expelled from many schools and I... Yeah, I had to repeat two years because I missed them and I like took one year off to like live in New York and now it's now sixteen and then I also um moved to uh, Madrid when I was nineteen. So I like skipping school all the time. So I went to school just to have fun with friends and play football and do fun stuff, but I was really bad. I was a pretty bad student actually. So that was in in terms of studying and then well I was pretty lucky when I was 16 I my mom gave me as a birthday present a trip to New York because we have a lot of family there they live there since like my grandma my grandparents brothers and sisters so I went there to visit them and to like discover New York and that was I think uh like a life-changing experience since such an early um uh, stage because for me it was like opening a huge door and then I realized how big the world was and I saw it not just on TV but I experienced it you know so I spent like eight months there and then I came back to Colombia like just very um, convinced that I had to like live somewhere else that I wanted to travel more I guess that started the whole traveling thing Mm. what made you decide to study photography I didn't study photography. I studied graphic design, mm-hmm. and I uh, worked. My first job was in an advertising agency <clears throat> in Bogota, because that's like the only places where you could. I think it's still the same, maybe. The only places where graphic designers can make a living. So I worked there for like only three months, and then I moved to Argentina. Then in Argentina, I studied um, art direction, uh, combined with. So I, I started working also as a designer, graphic designer in advertising in Buenos Aires. But then I got more into the conceptual side of it because of advertising. So I was, I really liked that part. So I wasn't just doing graphics, but more like being involved in the idea process. And that's where I found this, that this was very something that I liked. Mm-hmm. So I worked in advertising for three years there. Then I moved to Sweden. Then I worked like three more years in advertising in Sweden. And then after that, I think I had enough with advertising and I kind of wanted to get back at doing something more like with my hands and just doing the whole thing on my own. Because in advertising, you have to like, you have too many people involved in all the projects and you have to outsource and hire different talents for doing all campaigns. So I just, I quit advertising and I, uh, opened a small studio and decided to see what I was, I don't know, where I was good at or like trying to find really what I wanted to do. So I tried different kinds of things like calligraphy and like 
Was in, that in Sweden? Yeah, in Stockholm. Mm-hmm. I lived there seven years. Mm-hmm. So I did like everything, like street art and calligraphy and collage, digital illustration. I did a bunch of things. And in the meantime, in the meantime, I was hired by different agencies uh, as a freelancer. So I was uh, freelancing, doing this and, and doing, trying to find out what I wanted to do. And at some point, I took the camera because I'm not so good at drawing. So it was a bit hard to express my ideas in drawings, and I didn't like to do collage either. It's pretty old school. So I kind of took the camera and started to shoot stuff and putting things together, and also like Photoshop and just very basic, but it was more conceptual than the actual technique. And then I, I think I found something very interesting in that. It was easier in a way to just find the objects and find the, I don't know, the feeling and compose stuff on a table and shoot instead of drawing. It was also learning something new, so that was also great. And then I uh, happened to, I erased my entire portfolio, my old advertising portfolio with like, I don't know, as they say, very successful uh, art director in, in and advertising with the kind of words and all this kind of stuff, big clients, but I would tire of that. So I erased the whole thing. So it became like a student, like no portfolio all of a sudden after seven years of career in like big positions and stuff. And then I just put like three little projects that I did on my own, like personal projects. And I think that's what uh, they saw at Sagmeister and Walsh. And I sent an email and they, they knew because they were already following me on Instagram. And they knew who I was and they asked me if I wanted to come and try for three months and see how things were. Mm-hmm. So that was a very huge surprise for me because <clears throat> it was just like six months that I was just on my own doing my own thing when these guys called me. And at that moment, the agent, that studio was super big. I mean, it's always been big. But at that moment, um, I don't know. Actually, I wasn't following them that much before, but then since I left advertising and I started to get more into the design world and I saw what they were doing and it was great to see well no this I mean they were very well known so I was just I just couldn't believe it these guys offered me to mm-hmm. come to New York and try so I did it like three weeks later or two weeks later I was in New York working there and then after three months they uh, asked me to stay as a full-timer so I stayed and the whole thing changed there because then I had the chance to do photography and ideas so i was not doing any graphic design in the end i was just doing ideas and then shooting or they were hiring other photographers if the ideas were uh, required bigger sets and stuff and i think that's when i really found uh what i wanted to do for i don't know, if, I don't know for the rest of my life because i've changed but so far i'm still happy doing that mm-hmm. so i worked there until i could because of visa and all that and then I decided to just do it, the same work, but just on my own. And that's what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, that's your niche. <laughs> what is it? The ideas. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I just the misunderstood it. I thought yeah, like, yeah. I thought niche, you meant like a group of, like a group of people that I was like directing my work or I don't know. No, more like what lights you up. Ah, okay. Yeah, or like my favorite part of my job or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, in that sense it is, yeah, it's like visualizing concepts, mm-hmm. you know, 
in my way, in a way that I consider fun or interesting. But I saw on your Instagram that you have, I don't know if this is most recently, mm -hmm. but a lot of surrealism going yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, maybe I s you can see it more in a conventional way now because I've put a few projects lately that they look very much like that. But I think since like 2014 or 15, before I moved to New York, I was doing this kind of surrealistic work. It was just different style. It wasn't photography. It was more, I was combining images on the internet. I mean, this kind of stuff that now everybody's doing for the last two, three years. I, that's why I actually stopped. When I moved to New York, I stopped doing that. Because at that moment, it was pretty nice and new. I don't know how I started doing that. And then I realized it became like a big thing. But it was uh, indeed kind of surrealistic. I've, I've always been attracted by this kind of style. So even since uh, like early stages when I was studying graphic design, I also studied art history and I think surrealism was one of my favorite like, uh, styles, like art movements. I really like that. What is it about? Is it the mood? Yeah, it's about... It's about the, like how fake it is, but how real it is, you know? So I like that, that it's not like, sometimes it's not like, okay, making the perfect light and the perfect this, but also bringing something unexpected or like out of context or strange that really adds something to images. And I mean, from, that's what I think. And I think that's where I like go with my work. So even if it's a, a personal project or a brand or something, I always try to find a way to to make something that doesn't feel right or like it's strange or is not doesn't belong there. Because then the picture becomes something else. Also, that's my personal vision. So it's not about a technique or just making a perfect, beautiful photo, but maybe um, implementing something else or like having another, like a deeper observation or like adding something unexpected or strange. I like that. Mm. Yeah. What's your favorite accessories for photo shoots? Where do you go and shop for accessories? That's nice, actually. Good question, because um, I think something very characteristic of my, I think it's personality also, but of course in work is kind of being very, very resor resourceful. So it's not just finding the right perfect thing, but sometimes I just... Like when I'm in the street, I'm always looking at stuff. Like I always see things like people throw away so many things. So if you look around my studio, I have a lot of stuff that I just found in the street. I just repaint it or sandpaper it a little bit and that's it. So, well, yeah, I, sometimes I go to some like uh, stores where you, you find just weird objects. Or sometimes, I mean, if it's required, I have to get them like custom made for specific clients if I need something specific size that I need that it's impossible that I could just find them but a lot of things I kind of find them in the street or, or buy them in just any kind of stores grocery stores or like in yeah super I know like department stores I sometimes most of the times I don't I don't go with the intention of buying objects. I just go around weekends or whenever I am in a place. And if I find something very nice, I 
kind of immediately see the potential for a photo and then I buy the kind of stuff or I find or pick it up in the street. Sometimes it's too big so I can't, but if I can, I just pick stuff. Yeah. What's the best store that you have ever been to for that? Best, best store? Hmm. I don't know, but I remember in New York there was this bakery store. That was amazing. It was, uh, it was, I don't know, we were doing some shoot, I can remember. But we found this store, it was like a bakery supply. So you mm -hmm. could find, but it was, you know, New York style, like huge, it's not like 10 little cakes, but it was like insanely big store. So you had so many different weird kinds of papers, different textures, and also toys and ingredients for cakes that you could use in another way to make like surfaces, backgrounds, and stuff like that. It was, it was really cool. That place was really nice. That place, I remember. Because it was, it's not a, it's not a store, it's not a prop store for photography. It's a bakery store, but like when you, I think that's the beauty of this kind of work that you find things in, in random places. Mm. I remember that one. In Paris, I don't know, actually, in Paris, it's kind of difficult. In Paris, it's kind of difficult. Everything is, I don't know, or maybe I just don't know the right places, but. Maybe you have yet to find it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So you also do art direction. Okay. What exactly is art direction and what type of prep and work does it include? Uh, well, art direction means um, I'm not a photographer that just takes commissions, uh, the kind of commissions they tell me what to do in terms of, okay, the light has to be like this and the object has to be here and this object there. It's more like I come up with the idea. So, so, so my clients come always with a, a product or a service or idea or whatever. And then they have a, um, a brief or they have a problem and they ask me, we, we share the problem. So they say, okay, we want to show this in a funny way or in a luxurious way or like they have a keyword. I just work with keywords. So the art direction part is just listening and just like doing re uh, re uh, research and understanding the problem or the the requirements and then giving an input in terms of idea. And then once the, the main thing is to have the idea, then I, I can do some very basic drawings. And But if the idea is strong, then I can, they have to like, trust me because I have really bad, I do really bad drawings, funny. Or I, for that, actually I do some Photoshop compositions. So that's the part of the art direction, just to come up with ideas and then make sketches and convince or sell the the concept to the clients or to whoever is expecting. What's the technique that you resort to when you say, oh, I have to go and think of an idea? You mean like when I first get a, an assignment and I have to start thinking on what mm -hmm. to do? <clears throat> Sometimes in the very in the very moment when I read when I'm reading the questions, like some ideas just like pop quickly. Most of the times they're too basic and then they're nothing, but I write them down right away because actually sometimes they they turn out to be the best. Um, I I try to to think very like broad and very like universal. I guess that's something that I got from like traveling, living abroad, that makes uh, work more international instead of just thinking of 
uh, very local insights and ideas, jokes, or you know, these kind of things that only certain people recognize. I, I'm always stepping away from that, so I take it in a way that anyone can um, understand, or maybe not understand if the if the idea is something abstract, doesn't matter. But well, one thing is that like right away when I have the the, the commission, just write the first things. Another 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 uh, thing I do is just to sit with pen and paper before going to the internet. Just like sitting with paper and just draw very fast things and just think randomly and just draw. And then the I think the last thing I do is going into internet just to see. Um, to find references, mainly to find the objects that I'm looking for. So if I need a um, a bottle and some, I don't know, like shoes and something, then I try to find for the right model and the right thing to then make sketches and present before going on pre-production. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why. Recently you mentioned that what you like about digital photography is the instant result that you get. What does a typical day look like and how many pictures do you take in a day? Okay, I mentioned that because I think we were talking about analog photography. And well, I just think uh, for my work, um, of course it's way more practical just to do digital because I have to see what I'm doing right away, you know. So I think we talked about it because you said I have no patience. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that, that also. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, that's one true. That's true. But also it's like if I'm doing work, you know, some of, some of my sets are quite complex and it takes some like a lot of time to put things, to glue things, to hang things around, to find the right light, the right shadows, uh, colors. Like, there's so many things to uh, take in consideration. So I can't work on all this for a long time and then take a photo and not knowing if it works or not. I think for still life photography is kind of, I mean, that was the only way back in the day, you know, but now, uh, I don't know, I was, like born with this pretty much and I think it's uh, just a matter of it's just practical it's just more practical it's just practical of course the results sometimes when I see some stuff some photos some analog photos it's very beautiful but I don't know I think I'm practical I don't think I, I'm not such a purist in terms of that so I'm fine with digital so it's pretty much that yeah patience and being practic- practical what does your day look like usually? I, I almost like always come to the studio, even if I, even if I don't have a, a commission or if I don't have anything specific to do, because I also work on, on personal projects. So most of the time I'm doing stuff like if I finish a commission, so in between commissions, I, I try to make personal projects because this way is the way I can continue developing my style and that's the way that um, people, clients can see what I do and maybe they can, they understand what I do and so I get commissions based on my style and not based on something they, so somewhere to like copy someone's work or to do something that is not uh, appealing. So well, uh, today is like, I don't wake up, I'm pretty bad at waking up early. 
I work out at least nine, kind of nine ish. So then I'm in the studio around ten. And then, well, then I do what I have to do in terms of if it's a job or if not, just always music around, always play music. I love it. And then just think of things to do, of course, browse, check some stuff, and maybe out of just browsing randomly, maybe I see something that seems interesting, and then I start to develop ideas towards that or... Or maybe it's just ideas that I think I use my, you know, this app notes. I use it all the time. So when I'm out with friends or something, I always like, I don't know, some ideas come or, or I see something that triggers something and I write like keywords or I write sentences. So then I come to studio, check my phone and sometimes I find very random things. So you delete that. But sometimes I find something, some interesting things and then try to see what I can do with that. And from that, I take it and see. How many sets do you build in a day? A day? Not too many. It depends, you know, if I have to do, if I'm like on a kind of tight deadline. Also depends on the complexity of the of the sets themselves. Some, some sets are quite simple, so I have to do, I don't know, three or something like that. But, you know, I'm very meticulous and this takes a lot of time, so... I don't know, sometimes I can only do like do like two photos a day. Well, you know, I come at 10 and like breakfast and like then lunch. So it's not like eight, nine hours straight working, you know, it's more like chill. So maybe for that reason, I can only do that. But still, it's because, I don't know, sets and lighting, because I do the whole thing alone, that's the thing. I mean, sometimes when I have too many, uh, uh, photos to to do like if the assignment is big then i hire someone to help me as a set design assistant and do stuff but if i'm fine with a good deadline or if it's a personal project which is like most of the time i do the whole thing alone so that's why it also takes me so much time because i have to like change papers change like backgrounds and the tables and clean the stuff hang like you know the whole process so that's why it takes me that long. That's why I can only shoot like two pictures a day or three, I don't know, depending. Sometimes it's like really hard and I can just do like one or two. So let me resort back to your stay or the work that you did with Sagmeister and Walsh. Mm -hmm. During your stay at the agency, how did your work evolve and did you face new challenges or new perspectives that you learn um yeah i definitely i it definitely changed uh, my way of seeing certain things and my work developed in a different way when i was there maybe well more specific because as i mentioned before uh, that was the first time i was like hired to do to work like directly with photography so i was directly involved with the shoots and thinking for shoots not thinking just for like an entire campaign but just only for the photography part because the studio had other people doing the graphic design and other people doing other things so in that sense i was very focused on that uh, also i think there was a lot of young people i was like one of the oldest or 
Yeah, I think so. So it was cool to see um, how other people had different perspectives and the way of seeing things and also trends. Also, this was in New York, you know, it's like such a different um, culture and city compared to like i was in sweden and at the moment so i went straight from stockholm to new york and it's such a huge difference so it was very interesting to see how all these young people were so excited to do certain things that in my mind was like oh no that's kind of embarrassing or bad or childish or weird like i don't know but then i learned like why they were doing it and they were living there for a longer time and those clients were American and it worked for that. Also, their audience was like kind of young people, especially Jessica. She, her audience, her audience is kind of a lot of young people. So I understood that and I, I kind of, I learned from that too. I learned to like maybe open up more and do things in other ways, not just the way it works, but maybe going a bit further in that sense. Or So I think I always learned from, from everything. So from that studio, I learned that. Also, the diversity was very interesting. All of us were from different countries. So that was very nice because there were such different uh, views and different ways of working. Uh, so that was cool to have feedbacks with different backgrounds. You know, like you had you, you did something and you had feedback from four people from four different like, continents. So in the end, you, you really build something more universal and that's... I think very strong. That's nice. So I definitely learned a lot in the studio. Of course, also it was inspiring to see Stefan Zygmacher sitting there just across my my table every day, almost. That was very nice and challenging to like present an idea or something it was kind of challenging. But with time, I became more confident and it was fine. I mean, that was maybe the perk of being one of the oldest that I had been doing this for many years. So I was more chill with that. But a lot of young people were un under pressure all the time, like very stressed and really scared of, of the bosses and all that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So having worked for different offices, um, how has that benefited your freelance work in terms of networking? Mm, I think really... Uh, plays a big role actually because the moment I decided to just do my own thing and having my own studio here in Paris um, I just like reached out of all these people I worked with before so like Sachi in Stockholm and even in South America with like Gray and of course also with like Madison Walsh like different agencies Ogilvy in Copenhagen so I just told all of them I was doing my my own thing and that really really helped because i i was very lucky to have very nice uh, bosses before and colleagues and in very big agencies always with big clients so that really helped me because they knew my work and we've been in touch even when i'm not there for that long with people from the, in denmark or something so it really helped in the beginning i was like freelancing a lot for for Sigmeister and Walsh and also for some uh, clients in London and in Sweden. My first, like almost the first year here in Paris. And then little by little started to get more in the French market and now I think it's like 50-50. So it definitely helped me to to just uh, my, my path, like, you know, because I worked in different places, it really helped me to be in touch with all these people. 
to to begin. Yeah. How do you determine your pricing? Is it by project or is it by hour? Um, it's by project and also by uh, depending on the clients. Sometimes, if the budget is not the biggest, but the project itself and the freedom and the client is something that I really want to do, there's, there's no problem. Or it could be the opposite if it's not like my favorite thing, but if the budget is is fair, I can take it. But actually, all these years of working with companies and the reason. I decided to be a freelancer or like having my own studio is just that to be able to choose my clients. So I, it's less and less that I take clients that I don't like or, or for the money is like could do it, but it's not so smart and it's not so, it's not the point on being independent. So I think that's my favorite thing about being independent that I, and that's why I work so hard on my personal projects to get uh, only clients that I like and I've, I mean, I've, I've been very lucky so far I've only worked with very nice people nice clients big names or not big names but always like nice people who understand what I do and they give me all the freedom and we work together and they believe in the projects and everything goes very smooth so in terms of uh, budget I don't know I think there's some international like standards and I always ask for what budget they have just to check that I'm not off or like that they are not too off in the, be in the beginning just to make things easier, like more kind of um, uh, informal. I just take it very informal. I always take my clients very like personal and like talk like as a, as a person and not just very professional and like systematic and stuff like that. So I always speak like as I am always with my clients, even if they're big names or not. So I just ask for what budget they have in mind for that, or like depending on the amount of photos, the timing, the the production, what it requires in terms of time, materials, and so on. And I guess that's the way I set up my quotes. Also thinking of pre-production, uh, production, post-production, retouch and all that. Do you even sign contracts then? And if so, do you have your own contracts that you give to them or vice versa? Uh, I usually get contacts, uh, contracts from them. So yeah, I do. I think every every single project I've worked, I've got a, I've signed a contract. But it comes from their end, always. Mm -hmm. yeah. When working with clients, what are difficulties that you have encountered so far or has anybody ever disliked your work? Mm, I think I'm quite careful uh, from the beginning just to avoid these kind of awkward situations where something is not expected so I think from the sketch stage I make it I make sure that that we're on the same page with my clients so they will get what they're expecting and I will do what and so we both know what to expect so I try to do that with sketches and references. I, I send like some mood boards and some little drawings and some collages before I start. And also I keep in touch with them pretty like very closely. So sometimes I even take like just pictures with my phone when I'm, once I may make a set, I take a photo of my, with my phone. I tell them, hey, I'm here. I think this is where I'm going. And then just in terms of colors and composition, 
And if they, they usually say, oh, okay, great, go for it. I think they, I'm very lucky they trust me. And then, then I proceed and I just send the photos after. But yeah, I'm, I'm careful with that not to maybe send something completely off of what they're expecting because it's, it's going to be bad for both, like waste of time, like maybe reshoot and it doesn't work for... So I, I always try to be very... I try to work closely with my clients. Like It's not like, okay, see you and then here I send you the pictures like a week later. But it's more like we speak almost every... Or maybe we speak every day. I'm sending ideas, written ideas, where I send some drawings or sketches and I sending um like in the making or behind scenes uh, photos and so at least they they follow the project because most of the time they work alone here like they don't come here even when they're french clients sometimes they they send me their products or whatever it is and then i i do it here with assistant or alone so they don't even come here i mean that's really nice that they trust me at that level you know when it's overseas of course that's the only way but even when they're here, they trust me in that sense. So I, I just keep, I just keep them close, and I just email and texting, calling. So is there an initial personal meeting that happens, or not even that? Not even that. I mean, I've had some, but most of them is just like email contact. They just write me an email, and they ask, they find me, they find my portfolio or my, I don't know, like Instagram or Behance. And they asked me for availability and or they, they mentioned, I asked for the project and if the project sounds interesting, then we, we take it from there. So actually, a lot of my clients, I have never seen their face like in real life. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like that. That's like unbelievable. That. Right now, I'm working with three projects and I don't know any of them. They, they are in two of them in California. Yeah. One in New York. And I have no idea who they are. I mean, it's just email. That's why the contracts work. But of course, you have to trust and you have to have a sense, you know, you have to see it's a real company, you have to check the website, unless they're like multinationals or something. But yeah, it works like that. Even here in Paris, I've worked with like big clients in Paris and I never met them. I just, they, they sent me their products, they, they ship them here and then they do the, the shoot. We speak on the phone or email and that's it. Do you like that? Well, I think it's also the client's approach because they just they write me emails and asking for availability and just uh, they propose something. But so I just follow the the flow and mm -hmm. if they don't require me to to go meet them, it's fine. But I've had some meetings. Yeah, sometimes I just go. We meet in person, talk for I don't have a coffee and talk about a project, and then after they send me an email like more specific, and then we continue. But Honestly, many times it works the other way. Like, I don't, we never meet in person. I worked with someone like three times here in Paris and we haven't met. And we spoke like, a couple of times, like, ah, this, we should meet. Like, finally, we've worked so many times. Let's do it. Okay. And it just never happens. I guess people are busy and I don't know. People are doing like different projects at, at the same time. So I guess they don't have time. I'm fine with that. I would like to, I always love to meet people in person. But I know it turns out like that. It happens this way. Strange. <laughs> yeah. So you've experienced, you've experienced South America, you've experienced North America, and then Europe. If you had to put three words to describe each continent, what would they be? 
three words to describe. So, okay. Oh, well, three words. I don't know, South America is... I don't know, crazy, fun, and creative, I would say. North America is like... I don't know, it's not North America, it's just like New York, you know? It's very... Actually, New York is very different from the rest of the states. So, so New York, I would say, is... Um, I know it's crazy work and uh, and fun. And Europe, <laughs> beautiful, complicated. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, I'm free, I think. Yeah. Complicated but free. Yeah, complicated in terms of um, I don't know if you compare it to New York. For instance, everything is <clears throat> straightforward and fast. You get you send an email, you get an answer ten minutes later, and everything is yes or no, and it's it. And you you speak, and you it's just like that, you know. In Europe, I think it's too many. I don't know. Maybe it's just out of politeness, or I don't know. But everything tends to be slower. I think it's slower, and people expect other things. I think they overthink too much if you especially like maybe it's France a lot of that but Sweden also like slow it's kind of I don't know people are kind of afraid to like I don't know maybe to be more I don't know like faster I don't know like more uh, spontaneous or you know like say something just right in your face and just don't take it so serious you know or like make fun of yourself or like kind of like that. I think in New York is very easy going that way, like nobody feels really offended, like it's very easy going. Thing here is a bit you have to think twice or I don't know. So in that sense it's more like complicated. Also I guess the system, everything is like kind of complicated. But free because uh because all the alternatives you have to travel. In that sense, I mean, Europe is very free. Like you can just take a train and have breakfast in one country, lunch in another, dinner in another, like easily. So in that sense, it's fantastic. That's my favorite thing about Europe. I love it. What does a city have to have in order to inspire you? No, I think every city is inspiring because beauty lays in a ton different several uh, ways mm, even the ugliest looking city can be inspiring except by Bogota <laughs> <laughs> that's so so nuts I'm from there but like I don't know it's like the less inspiring city I've ever been <laughs> I'm sorry but it's like complicated I know for me it's a challenge it's like a real challenge I was there last time I was there was two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. And I was already very like open to like find beauty in things and to like, you know, it's like my work. Like beauty is not just a beautiful person or like a beautiful house. It's more like finding beauty on on the random, on the unexpected. But I don't know, in Bogota, it's kind of complicated. I don't know if I'm speaking visually. I think it's the light of that city. It's always cloudy, and so there's like no shadows, and the colors of the city are not. I don't know, and the ugly is not interesting, beautiful. The ugly is ugly. I don't know. It's strange. No, it's just my opinion. You know, a lot of people find it very great, and I I know a lot of 
I know a few creative people in Colombia and they do well and they like it, but for me it's a bit frustrating. I think it's also the mood of the city. The, I think the transportation system is crazy. The weather is changing crazy every day. I don't, I don't know. I really think it's a very personal opinion. It was a big challenge for me like to... I was actually taking a mission like, okay, I'm going to go out with my camera and find some cool, weird thing, fun stuff to, to shoot. But I don't know, it was very hard for me to find this kind of mood that I find here or like in New York or anywhere else. I don't know, maybe um, I've been abroad for too long and no, it doesn't make sense. I honestly think it's my problem with Bogota, I don't know. Mm. That's strange. What about your work? makes you most happy and which project has brought you the most joy hmm <clears throat> let's see i mean in general it makes me very happy that i that i've achieved this kind of moment that i am free on my own doing what i really like so i think each uh, project every yeah, each project I, I work on, I try to <clears throat> to like enjoy and try to do the best. The funny thing is, when I'm at it at the right at the production, is not doesn't seem so fun. It's like I'm mostly stressed. I'm mostly like that's why I play music to like you know relax environment and stuff. But it's kind of uh, stressing because requires a lot of precision and a lot of things and like. This studio is not that big as you can see, and there's like so many things around, so I have to be careful with like not stepping on something that like, you know. So it's it can be um it can be kind of a stressing, uh, an environment. But once I'm I finish or when I start the post production part, I really love it because I know it's all the hard work's done, and I see I have, well, usually like good results, and then just like jumping on retouch is really fun then i can really relax i can sometimes i even invite friends over and like play loud music and chill i can do it i can do that part very mechanical just a retouch part so i think in that sense like each each project i work on is fun i mean that's the beauty of of, of um taking only nice projects or projects that you believe that they have potential and not taking bad projects for the money or something because then you will you won't enjoy any, any of that and what was the second question like one project that i've enjoyed a lot i think uh i've done yeah one maybe some of yeah one personal project and one commission by kenzo kenzo perfumes that was very very fun because they're great i've done two collaborations with them so far and then they always like pretty much ask me to do anything I want. They just require just a little <clears throat> drawing or just to write what I, I'm going to do. And then they just let me do anything. And in this case it was really cool because it was a lot of stop motion uh, work. And uh, I don't do that much stop motion, but the time was great because I, I asked a good friend of mine to come and help me and collaborate with me. So I hired him to like help me with the production and he's also great at editing so he also helped me with the post so this was really fun because i was it was nice it was last summer good weather it was just hanging out with my friend every day buying stuff painting stuff like 
coming up with ideas to to like um, finding solutions for sets and you know like a lot of it was very fun and also with when you work with one of your best friends that really it's really really nice so I had this opportunity and I really enjoyed it. Do you have a plan on hiring anyone permanently or on a more regular basis? Hmm, it's a good question, but because I've I've got a few requests and like sometimes I've sometimes I have to uh, reject jobs because I just can't handle it. It's too because can it's too much time. So sometimes I think about it, but I don't know. In a way, I like. I like to like be in control of doing each project because it's mine and then because it's kind of such a personal approach that when like all the clients when they approach me is because they want me to do uh, things that I they like my style so they always show me one or two projects that I've done and they they ask me ah oh, we'd like something like this or this light or this kind of thinking or this kind of stuff so they want me to do it myself and they end up keeping in touch with them by phone by email. So I think it's very difficult for me to, like, I think it's hard to find people who maybe have the same kind of approach in this kind of work that is so specific. Also, maybe it's my my position here in France that I don't have that many uh, photographer like, friends or creative friends. So it could be tricky also, I don't know, if I hire someone to do... I could direct, of course, and maybe just like give them some direction in terms of um, sets and colors and objects. But you know, always you need to to be there. I think I always have to be there and see because then it's imagine they do this entire shoot, they come to you and you don't like it, and they have to redo the whole thing. So it's in the end, it's worse than doing it yourself, it's like reworking. So I don't know how actually doing that. I think that's why I keep it just myself. Of course, it'd be great to be able to take more jobs and maybe to to share with someone else or a few people. But I think it's also honestly a problem of um, I don't know the right people here in Paris. I think if I was in New York, I could do it because I have really good friends that we do similar work. They're freelancers also, friends from from Montreal, friends from I don't know from other countries in Europe, <clears throat> but they all live in New York. I actually miss that, that I had a very nice group of creative people. So you could get help from them or help them or collaborate. And in here, I feel a bit more lonely in that sense. So I think in Paris, it's kind of hard. I don't think that's going to happen in Paris. For instance, I only hire people for specific tasks, mainly assistants for set design or for pre-production or on set also. But... I'm always the one like taking care of the sets and taking the photos and doing the retouch. Have you ever experienced a rock bottom? Yeah, I'm a bit paranoid and I experience it quite often. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like it, but I would no, really I mean, like to no, know. No, it's like oh, I'm a bit paranoid. Like sometimes I'm, I don't know, so, or maybe just days that sometimes I see my work and I'm like, oh no, but why or sometimes i get an assignment and i'm very excited to do it and then maybe have a frustrating day and, I, and nothing seems to work or i don't find the right set or the right idea the right thing and then I start to question myself 
newspaper just by learning from the scratch from the very beginning from all the machines from doing that he was very good at it and then yeah he was an executive at the newspaper like he was hanging out with the president of the newspaper and he was a very successful man so that story is like i always told him that i had to that it was going to be impossible but i had to do something to like fight him back because it's impossible you know like to like do something because he he did too much like he's one of those stories that is like worth a movie but and he actually died like three years ago and i i was very i told him in, when he was fine I, i always told him that i admire him so much and he was like no nah, come on you're doing better than me look at you you're traveling you're doing it. and i was like no man i'm doing nothing compared to you mm-hmm. but you know i guess his perspective he doesn't he didn't see himself the way i saw him for me he was like a hero mm-hmm. So that guy was amazing, and I think that's why he's always been like career-wise. And also, he was a painter. So in the meantime, he also had an atelier, and he was painting. He was such an artist. He was like a, a guy that I really admired. Mm-hmm. And the other, my other grandfather on my mom's side, he's still alive. He's ninety or ninety-one, and he's amazing. He had like a double life. I love it. He was like working with very serious stuff like with lawyers and stuff like that i don't know like he was friends with people like working with the president of the of the colombia and his brother was secretary of the president and stuff like that and then in the weekends he was playing music like vaginato music mm-hmm. so he was playing with these little vaginatos conjuntos it's called conjuntos like an orchestra but there's more you know like four people And they were giving concerts everywhere in, around Bogota and also traveling. And he was friends with like very big legends of today. They're like legends of Vaginato and folk Colombian music. They were all friends with him. So he was such a party guy, like partying, like crazy parandas, vaginatas, and all this, this kind of Colombian um, folk music. This is very music for dancing and having fun. And that. So he was doing all that in the weekends. And then in the weekdays, he was working with like very serious people. So he was super smooth in that sense and that made him such a nice character and that's why everybody loved him in this kind of serious and political career because he was not like that he was more of a musician guy work, working in a suit mm. yeah so that's why i admire him too yeah what is your work personality like and how does it differ from private daniel mm, well yeah i think Well, I think that's, um, if you can say, the, the way to like, put yourself in your work, to make it your style or your thing. I think it's important to kind of to be you with your work. And I think that's what I do. So I think that's why I mentioned before that it's a little sarcastic or humoristic or strange or something like that. I think in my personal life, I, I like that, like kind of humor and I know like twisting things and seeing things from other angles and finding the beauty in stupid situations or like or, I don't know I kind of like this kind of seeing things from another angle in real life I do that always like people I like people like that also I enjoy having, like meeting people who are like that like very specific and special personalities and kind of different and that they have something else to tell me that the thing that i know and i also like to go to places with personality i don't like fancy fixed well thought through places i like more 
like places with a with a spirit, you know, like with a with personality, with character that you can tell it's been like that forever, like old places with with a story behind. <clears throat> so I think this kind of vision of life and people and everything is what I try to apply to my work. I guess in a way that connects this surrealistic way of portraying ideas. Where do you go and what do you do when you want to take some time to recover or have time to yourself? Just take Daniel time. <laughs> I love Daniel time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as much as I enjoy being with friends and hanging out with them, I also like to like I like solitude. I like to be just alone and and see what happens. I don't know, in Paris I like to walk around because the city is so inspiring and so beautiful to walk. So it's cool to find, to discover little places, buildings and so on. I love architecture. So I like to walk and see things, take photos of everything all the time with my phone. But also I could I could just be in my apartment for like 48 hours in a row. I don't mind just like having whatever the food is and just be home and... I don't know, talk with friends in other countries and find some interesting documentaries and stuff like that. I also enjoy that. One last question I have for All you. Right. <laughs> Is your haircut your signature feature? <laughs> no, it's just, it's been like that. Actually, now it's one of the shortest periods, like the shortest that I've had it in a, in a long time. I don't know, since I was like 16, I've had my long hair. My hair long, sorry. So, I don't know, I just kept it that way. I'm mm. wondering who cuts it. I cut it myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's true. Since I was like 19, I think, I was in Spain. I had no money and haircuts were so expensive in Spain. So, I had to learn to do my own. So, I failed a lot in the beginning. And then, I don't know, I learned little by little. And ever since, I cut it. I mean, it's always long, so I don't have to cut that much. And people don't <laughs> realize if I cut it or not. So I don't have to be that skilled. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um, do you want to share where people can find you and your work? I thought you were asking me where to cut your hair. Uh, <laughs> where to find my work. Yeah, my website is like, well, in my website, you can see the pictures in, in big size. So just see more on de in detail. Otherwise, Instagram. I, I use Instagram only professional-wise. I love stories because then I can put a little bit of my personal life and I, I can just be silly and I can just put things that I'm interested in. Or like, you know, all these little things that you can, that you see on your everyday life. But my actual feed is just work. It's personal and commissioned work. And so, yeah, I think that's where most people find me on Instagram. But uh, otherwise, my website, and I have also Behance. But everything is under my name, so it's not. We're gonna easy, put it in the show to, notes. Easy to find. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, to land thank this you. plane, I wanna thank you so much for taking the time out today for this episode. No, thanks for coming here to my studio and doing this is here. It's the first time. I'm pretty sure when I, when I listen to this after, I'm gonna hate it because my voice is terrible. It's, <laughs> but but it's nice it's been a nice experience it's also cool to ask those questions to yourself you know like when you ask me these things I never really 
think about it, about all these kind of inspiration sources and like what I think of my work and why I do it. It's kind of nice to to give it some uh, some thinking. chat with Danielle. I really hope you enjoyed the episode today and if you know anyone who has a niche profession and you think they would be perfect for the show, please let me know. Recommendations are of course always welcome. For news, workshops and blog posts, all things Paris, head over to lebureau.com and I'll catch you next time with another episode of That's My Niche.